Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. It was about the end of Michael's mission year when he had to say goodbye to his friends and students. He had everything set and planned for his last week, but something tragic happened and he had to change his plans at the last minute. Here is his story. My story today is called The Final Weekend. After school ended at the end of July in the Penang project where I worked in remote Cambodia, I spent the last two weeks at my project scrambling around as fast as I could trying to get all the work done that I needed to get done. I was supposed to fly out to the United States to return back home, and I still had a long, long list of things to do. It was very, very busy, and the deadlines were just unavoidable. I was going to leave the country, and without a new plane ticket, I wasn't going to be able to change my schedule, and we were not paying for a new plane ticket. So after a few hectic weeks and crazy times, I was finally wrapping up my long to-do list. I helped with pre-registration at the school for the new school year. I documented the work I had done so that people in the future could keep it going. And I was finally ready to relax. I had one weekend left in Cambodia. It was Friday, and I was due to fly out on Monday. Daniel Greenfield was going to take me to Phnom Penh, the capital city of Cambodia, and I would fly out that afternoon. One weekend left. This was just enough time to go to church, say goodbye to my friends, meet the people that I wanted to meet up with, and, well, just finish my year strong. The local church planner and his wife invited me over for lunch on the Friday before I left, and I readily took up the invitation since I had grown close to both of them. They were very kind to me during my time. In fact, the wife of the church planner, when I would attend Friday Vespers, would often sit down next to me while her husband was giving the Vespers talk and either translate the talk for me or give me an entirely new talk that she just came up with on the fly in English. It was amazing. They were a huge, huge blessing. So I went to the lunch and I noticed some strange communications flying back and forth on our group Facebook Messenger chat. I didn't really think much of it. There was something that was going on at the cook's home, which is across the street from the school. I asked in the team chat what was going on. After waiting for a response, they let me know that the cook's husband had been taken to the hospital. And things didn't look good. Now, the thing to know about the cook's husband was that he had been bedridden. In fact, he was bedridden the entire time that I was there for my year of service. He had been sick with some sort of disease that even today I don't know exactly what it was. But because of this, I never really had the opportunity to meet him or get to know him. Suffice it to say that this was not good news and I went to the lunch that I was invited to with a little bit more of a somber attitude. I enjoyed the food that was set before me, dragon fruit, eggs, rice. And then an hour later, the cook's husband passed away. Now, it's important to note that although I didn't know the cook's husband, I did know the cook. In fact, it's always a good idea when you go to a new place to make friends with the person who's going to be feeding you a large majority of the time. When I went to Cambodia to serve at the K-6 school, I made it a concerted effort to make a good friend of the cook, and I would smile and 
thank her and be polite, of course, as one would. And eventually they found out in the cooking department, as it were, that I liked to eat and that I liked a little bit larger portions than other people. And, well, they would give me the larger portions, and it was wonderful. Two of her daughters were also in my upper-level English class, and they were smart. They were sisters in the same grade in sixth grade, and although they were in the same grade, they were slightly different in age. But, you know, we became good friends as teachers and, and students can become friends. And I just had a really great time getting to know the cook and her two daughters. And now the cook's husband had died on my last weekend. This was an incredibly sad and unfortunate turn of events. The funeral was going to be held north, uh, about an hour and a half from the town where I was staying, in the cook's hometown. And so now everyone, instead of having a, a nice Sabbath weekend, were scrambling around trying to figure out funeral arrangements and things. Funerals usually happen fairly quickly after death because of the hot temperatures and uh, lack of other facilities that could elongate the body's decomposition process. So, as the career missionaries and everyone else went around scrambling, trying to figure out what was going on, I had to make a decision. Would I go to the funeral and mess up my final weekend? Jonathan Nicolades, one of the career missionaries, had already left to take the body to the funeral location. I, I really wanted to support my students. I wanted to support the cook and her family. But I also knew it was my last weekend. I wanted to say goodbye to my friends. But I decided that going to the funeral was more important. It was the right decision. So, after I shared some food with one of the career missionary families, we all loaded into their truck and headed north. I read some stories along the way to the kids of the family. We had a good time in the car, and we arrived after the sun was down. Many, many people had already arrived, but we were still waiting on some family members to arrive before people went to bed. There was a lot of grief very difficult to describe the grief I saw on people's faces. And something else that I didn't expect was that, unlike funerals in the United States, in Cambodia, the family of the deceased is responsible for feeding all of the funeral guests as long as they're there. I enjoyed the food. We were all fed our food for the next two days, and I went with Daniel Greenfield to one of the local guest houses, or hotels if you would think about it that way here in the States. And the Greenfields helped me speak the local language so I could get a room. Sabbath was spent at the home where the funeral would take place. We did have church service, although it was very, very sad. Very somber occasion. And I decided I would just sit and watch and observe. There are not many opportunities to sit and observe a Christian, yet... Cambodian funeral when one is only in a country for a single year. Again, I have to reiterate that it was very difficult to see my friends, the people that I had gotten to know for the past year, mourn to such a high level of grief. And I knew the other missionaries were, were mourning as well because they had known the cook's family as well as the cook and her husband. So finally on Sunday morning, the funeral took place. The pastor from Phnom Penh hadn't been able to make it during the Sabbath hours, and so we went to the service Sunday morning, which again was at the, the home of the family. There were some hymns. The pastor preached a message in the local language that I didn't really understand because I don't speak the local language. And pictures were taken with the casket. There were some odd things that I noticed during the funeral service. Before the funeral happened, there was very loud music. And very loud is an underestimate. 
The career missionary said that they were playing Christian music, but I didn't know the difference because I, again, didn't speak the language. Something else that I noticed, besides the music and besides them feeding us, was that at the funeral itself, all of the family of the deceased wore white, not black, like they would here in the States. People wore white. Again, just a different tradition, but something else that was very interesting. So after the message was preached, pictures were taken with the casket. The casket was loaded into the back of Daniel Greenfield's truck so he could drive it to the graveside. They put a speaker on top of the truck. They began to play some music that was very somber. Interestingly enough, the truck drove at the front of a very long procession. We all walked to the gravesite. There wasn't a hearse to drive the casket to the gravesite, of course. It was just Daniel's truck. And all the rest of us are on our feet, just walking, oh, probably one or two kilometers. The speaker continued to play the music, and the family walked ahead of the rest of the group, and they held a picture of the deceased that other people along the route knew who had died, and everyone else walked behind them. We all held flowers in our hands. I didn't know why the flowers were here yet. I would soon learn that we would toss them into the grave after the casket had been placed in there. When we got to the grave site, the casket was unloaded. Because the Sabbath hours had been the day before, and there hadn't been a lot of time in between the death and the burial, the grave was, was very new. They had just dug it and lined it with some cement so that it would be safe. They had uh, four walls into the ground that stuck up maybe two feet or so, and uh, a lid that they were going to place on top and then seal with cement. The gravesite was surrounded by a small fence where they were going to plant some flowers inside and put up a cross on, on the wall of the fence. In any case, I had managed to keep it together at this point and not cry. It was very difficult to see the grief, especially on the students' faces and on my friend the cook's faces, but I had, I had held it together. And I continued to do so until they started singing Shalom, good friends, shalom, good friends, Now, they, they sung that in the local language, and I don't know how to repeat it, but I knew exactly what they were singing because of the tune. And at that point, I started crying, and I teared up a little bit. The casket was moved off of the truck. It was lowered very carefully into the grave. The pastor and a few others said some words while there was loud mourning all around. And then the casket was covered. The body was in the grave. The grave was covered. And the funeral was done. We walked back from there, very quiet. We enjoyed another meal together. It was my last Khmer meal in, in country that was made by a local cook. And I went to go say goodbye to those at the funeral who knew me. It was a very difficult weekend. I went back with the Nicolaitis in their car, back to home base in Mambukiri. I drove around a little bit. I said goodbye to those that I could find. I packed my belongings and I cleaned until the wee hours of the morning. And that was it. That was my last weekend in Cambodia. It was very sad. It was sad because my student's father had passed away. It was sad because the cook's husband had passed away. Sad because my friends were grieving, and I was able to grieve with them. But there was a difference at this funeral. There was hope, 
Because you see, the cook is a Christian, and her husband was too. Their lives had been changed by the gospel, and they stuck to it. Even after the diagnosis of the illness that eventually ended his life, they stuck to it. Even after he became bedridden, they stuck to Christ. Even after he passed away, the cook stuck to Christ. Through all the trials of all the years, they stuck to Christ. I fully believe that the cook and her husband will be reunited on that great resurrection day, hopefully someday very soon. God is still working in Cambodia. He's still working around the world. But sometimes we are tempted to ask, what is he doing? Where is he? Is he silent? God is still giving hope. Hope of a better life here on earth when we turn to him, despite our temporary circumstances. Hope of a better life for our friends and neighbors now, who we can treat with love and kindness because of the love and kindness shown to us by Christ. Hope of a future where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Hope of a future where we can see our loved ones again. Hope of a future where we, where we can live with Christ and everything will finally be okay. No more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. We have the opportunity today to partner with God to help others have hope. We can help the future that is promised in the Bible come more quickly so that all of us, including those we've never met, can leave this place of hurt and pain. We have the choice. What will you do to help that future become the present more quickly? I want to encourage you. Share the gospel with those around you. Share the gospel with your friends and your neighbors and your family. And choose to share the gospel with the unreached so that they too can have hope. Please reach out to us at www.afmonline.org or our email address service at afmonline.org. Ask how you too can be a missionary and become a messenger of hope. Thank you for listening to Adventist Frontier Mission Stories. Join us again for more inspiring adventures from our missionaries in the field. Please keep them in your prayers as they reach the unreached people groups and teach them about Jesus Christ our Savior and the love He has for us.